1: Welcome to the RotoWire Sports Gambling Podcast, sponsored as always by the greatest sports book, the only sports book as far as we're concerned, John, uh, BetMGM. Make sure, as always, you're using our promo code BetRoto, that's B E T R O T O, if you're gambling over at BetMGM.com or on the BetMGM app. Very convenient app. Uh, I have, in fact, downloaded it, uh, very user friendly. I love it. Uh, and, John, we have a, another huge. NFL week coming at us. Uh, I just had my you know, kind of like look yourself in the mirror, cup of coffee of like, do I need this? No, I absolutely don't. Need no, it. I do not need it. Am I going to drink it anyway? Yeah, I sure am. So I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. Uh, unfortunately, we got six teams on bye this week and, you know, 13 games that that's still a healthy amount, but you know, you got one of those on Thursday. We uh, got only two games in the late window. You got a Monday game. I, I always dread uh, this part of the season when, uh, you notice it, you know, you notice not having those, those two or three extra games.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, you you wish that uh, they, they would spread out that those afternoon games a little bit more, you know, so you, so you get some late afternoon action. It, it, it's funny uh, how it's flipped, basically, where coming into the season, you would have thought. And uh, I know that when we did the schedule release, you and I and a couple other people on the on the football staff wrote up our fi- our like favorite games of the year. And I believe it was either me or someone in that article circled Bucks Rams as one <laughs> of the best regular season. Well, games. How could you not? And now it's like, I, would I am a hundred percent going to have card Seahawks on, on the main TV and then just kind of have Tom Brady and, uh, Matt Stafford having a mid off on, on the second TV, uh, as, as I'm enjoying Geno Smith, uh, light it up. So it's, it's funky. And, uh, you know, like you said, with all those teams on by us fantasy guys, a uh, lot of teams of mine uh, have a similar shape. And therefore, I've been dreading this week for fantasy for for a while. I knew that week nine was going to be a real Achilles heel for me. And uh, you know what, folks? Got a lot of DeAndre Carter going this week. That, that, that's all you need to know. Whew. Uh, yeah, you're not alone uh, in that boat. And
1: I'm very much looking forward to breaking down that uh, Atlanta uh, LA Chargers game, which um, you know for a preview for, for our next segment, I, I don't know about that line. I don't love it over at the Whalen no, no, Sportsbook. Jim. We yeah, at the Whalen Sportsbook, we have a different number for that game. I'll tell you that <laughs> uh, week eight last week. Uh, I know you're coming in red hot. You were 10 and five ATS with, with your picks over at Rotowire. Uh, I was nine and six. You know, had had a few big misses. I, I once again uh, missed my best bet, which was the Buffalo Bills covering a, a number that I believe closed at 11, maybe 11 and a half uh, against the Green Bay Packers. I, I feel like it was the right bet. Uh, did it win? No, it did not. But I, I feel like the Bills played a, a horrific second half, um, yep. you know, despite Green Bay kind of playing that whole game not to lose, uh, kind of a, a strange um, game plan by the Packers who, to me, it, it just felt like their entire uh, goal going into that game was just don't get embarrassed and they accomplished that. Uh, but two back-to-back really bad sloppy interceptions by Josh Allen uh, put the kibosh uh, on what would have been my first, uh, I think, best bet streak of the season. So uh, I finished nine and six ATS. I'm still, you know, hovering over 500 on the year, but man, best bets continue to be a disaster. So uh, I, I would advise just whatever I, I make my best bet at the end of this pod, just go ahead and fade that right away.
2: Yeah, the best the best bet wrinkle is so tough because at the end of the day, they, these really are all still 50-50 propositions and and you know, um even when you have a good week like like we both did last week, you, you always remember that the loss is a little bit more than the wins and uh you know, when when that Bengals line got posted last week, I I was so sure that that line w- was was off basically and I, I should have paid more attention like anytime that a line is that far at, out of step with what your kind of read on that game is you got to just kind of defer to, to what the books are saying and you know by the time that like what the second quarter rolled around on, on Monday night it was very clear that not only were the Bengals not going to cover that spread they were going to lose and they were going to lose pretty handily and that, that's exactly uh, what happened just a, a brutal showing from Cincy so you know that that puts us in in a funky position heading into this week uh you know what we'll get into that line here in a moment um but yeah uh weird stuff going on there
1: that was one of the the biggest no-shows of the year by Cincy um I think especially if you throw out you know some of the no-shows by like the bad teams that you expect to no-show uh I mean that obviously not having Jamar Chase turned out to be a bigger deal than we expected I, I thought Cincinnati put together a really nice opening drive burrow has that sloppy throw gets deflected by the JV on clown or uh, by miles Garrett, excuse me, uh, and ends up getting intercepted. I mean, they're lucky that wasn't taken all the way back. Um, you know, they had like the 60 yard interception return called back. They said he was down, uh, but it felt like that was the, the turning point ever since then. Uh, you know, the, the Bengals just could not get anything going on offense just felt like a, a lazy sloppy effort uh, by that unit. But yeah, like you said, I mean, Bengals Panthers uh, first big cat battle, of the year, uh, of the four big cat teams. So um, you know we're seeing Bengals, seven and a half point favorites at home. Uh, interested to hear what you have to think about that one. But uh, I want to get to one more thing before we dive into the the too high, too low lines of week nine. We had the NFL trade deadline pass this past week, John, and it was literally the most active deadline ever. Uh, and that's not even counting some of the major deals we had go down prior to the deadline. Names like Roquan Smith. Who I believe ended up with a little-known team out of Baltimore, uh, known as the Ravens.
2: Oh, yeah. He, wait, he's on the Ravens now.
1: Oh man. Yeah. So, breaking news: Roquan Smith on the Ravens.
2: So that, believe me, very, very excited about that. And and yeah, I mean, like you know, it, the NFL is basically king in every facet uh, among the the major sports in, in this country. But the one area where it was obvious that they, that they kind of lag behind and is the trade deadline, and it makes sense. Ch- changing teams in the middle of a football season is—it's a lot harder to to like have an immediate impact. There, there's so much scheme you have to know. There's so much acclimation uh, process. It's not just you know going out there and skating like you used to for for the Capitals and now you're on the Senators or, or something like that or uh, pitching. A I, baseball. I don't do hockey. I, I don't know. <laughs> I I, I uh, we we recently. Uh, brought on a buddy of mine, Grant Leonard, to to write hockey for us at, at RotoWire. Just uh, he ran a piece earlier today, so ho- I got hockey on the brain. Uh, okay. That that's that's the only reason why I dropped that one in there. Yeah. But um, where were we going with that again? I'm so
1: You tell me. We were talking Roquan Smith. You we got lost about, but in, yes, yeah, tra- tra- lost in the
2: ice. I, I really did. Uh, unfortunate folks, but um, you know, trade deadline, other things. You know, I, I thought that the Bears kind of, you know, speaking of Roquan, had the interesting kind of dynamic of loading up the offense a little bit, bringing in Chase Claypool, while also dismantling, you know, the defense with with, uh, with the Roquan and the Robert Quinn uh, offloadings. Uh, obviously, the, the Dolphins made that big splash going ahead and getting uh, Bradley Chubb. I thought that... Mm-hmm. Sneaky one was adding Jeff Wilson, obviously with Wilson, you know, playing behind Christian McCaffrey. He just wasn't going to really have a role out there in San Francisco anymore. Links back up with McDaniel. McDaniel knows how to use him. Uh, and I, I think that it's just fair to say at, the, at this point that uh, we, this is, this has already been like best case scenario for Raheem Mostert and anything that happens after this is just bonus land. And, mm-hmm. you know, I love Raheem Mostert so fast, but the, the, the durability concerns. I think that the dolphins were smart to go ahead and get an insurance policy like that, especially one that that can kind of come in and hit the ground running.
1: Yeah, literally. Um, you know, now they, they have two backs who've worked with Mike McDaniel in San Francisco. I, I think that's a big part of it. You know, as far as uh, you always wonder, like what are the expectations for these guys in the immediate future? And someone like Jeff Wilson, you should be very familiar uh, with what the dolphins want to do. So I, I think that's a nice little bonus for that acquisition, at least for this week, uh, Naheem Hines, Landing in Buffalo to me that that's a luxury piece, uh, kind of the same type of thing as Kadarius Tony ending up in KC. Um, kind of kind of muddles things from a fantasy perspective, but I, I think you know just just having extra insurance at key positions is huge for both of those sides. But uh, we'll get into some of those uh, you know key acquisitions as we break down the games one by one. Uh, let's start right now. Some lines, John, that are a little too high uh, as we record here uh, a few days out from Sunday.
2: So we, we were just teasing it. Let's get right to it. Bengals, uh, they got to cover more than a touchdown against the Panthers in my column this week. At the time of writing, I was still confident. I figured that, you know, with that line for this game before last weekend's games was like nine and a half uh, in favor of the Bengals. So I kind of felt, or if I kind of wanted to spin it as, okay, Maybe we're get, just getting the Bengals on a bit of a discount here, and the Panthers still aren't actually good, despite the fact that they, you know, beat the Buccaneers and, and went ahead and you know played a, a really exciting game against the Falcons last mm-hmm. week. Maybe there, there's a little bit too much uh, like unfounded optimism in them, and and you know the Bengals would be able to get right. But at the same time, the the Bengals, the more you think about it, uh, the more troubling Monday looked, and, and the more troubling. Uh, The early season Bengals look, you know, those first two games of the season were about as rocky as as it could have gone, you know, losing to the Steelers, losing to Cooper Rush. Um, The offensive line is looking bad. The Panthers have something of a lively pass rush. So that's a concern. And my my kind of big thing about the Bengals overall, you know, they were starting to get it into gear before last week. But I'm starting to wonder if they just they simply need all three of Jamar Chase, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd to be available because, uh, when Higgins was dinged up earlier this year, the Bengals weren't as effective on offense. Chase wasn't as effective on offense, nor was Tyler Boyd. And you kind of think, uh, a thinking coach would be like, okay, why don't we, you know, maybe get the run game going a little bit more against the Browns, a team that everyone has run on. Nixon basically doesn't exist in, in that game. Does absolutely nothing. Um, I don't know if that's a mixing problem or a coaching problem or both, but either way, it's a problem. And I, mm-hmm. I think all of that said, you know, the, the Bengals, like trusting the Bengals with this much, it, it's tricky. You know, you. I think at the end of the day, I will probably still side w- with the Bengals, but I, I feel real queasy about it. Yeah, you said it. I mean, this offense got off to a slow start.
1: It, it's had some alarming performances. This was probably. At the top of the list, at least early on, you know that game against the Steelers specifically, you could point to some pretty fluky turnovers in that game for Burrow. Uh, you know, tip passes, but balls batten, being batted around. You know, it got picked off a bunch of times. Uh, this was just really ugly uh, by the Cincinnati offense. Nothing was working. Guys were not getting open. I thought Burrow was just kind of taking taking the easy short looks when they needed to try to drive the ball downfield. And yeah, you, know, you mentioned the the issues running the ball. It's been ugly. I mean, they they have to lead the league in like carries that go for less than two yards. Uh, It's them and the bucks. I feel like are the two teams Mm -hmm. that they they start every single first and 10 is just a run into the middle for two yards. And then it's like, okay, what's the plan here? I think the offensive line is the biggest issue to me. Like, I I still think, I know the numbers aren't great for Mixon, but like he, he looks fine to me. He looks like the same player as last year. Uh, But this offensive line was supposed to be better than last season. Joe Burrows on pace to be sacked roughly 10 more times than he was last year. And they were so alarmed by how often he was getting sacked last year that they made a point to go out and pr- improve this offensive line. And it just hasn't happened. Um, you know, I, I think he's in – there's a basket of quarterbacks right now who clearly don't trust their line. Most of them are, are older, you know, Rodgers, Brady, Stafford. Uh, but that's kind of what I saw from Joe Burrow uh, against the, the Cleveland Browns is, you know, uh, what's his name? The uh, the left tackle. Uh, Jonah Williams? Williams was just getting – I mean, that was, that was awful. I mean, that was as bad as it gets. Like just whiffing essentially sunned. Yeah. And it's, it's one thing to have that happen against miles Garrett, but you know, I think Garrett got him the first time. And then there were two more, you know, there's like some rookie seventh round pick just beating him straight up. I mean, that, that cannot be happening to your alleged franchise left tackle. So I think the Bengals have some pretty major issues uh, and I'm with you. I think this line is too high. I, I think Cincinnati wins this game, but I, you know, in staff picks, I very easily, took the Panthers to cover. And I do think that it, there's, there's a, a a chance that the Panthers are being overvalued in general, but I just, I don't really know how you could trust the Bengals after last week. I, I think they need to prove that they can have that kind of explosive offensive game just once without Javar chase. I mean, this is a team that scored 30 points, two times so far. They did it seven times last year. Uh, the, the offense has not been the same.
2: No. And that, you know, the, that they need the offense. Like their, their defense is fine but they, mm-hmm. they need to be clicking. And, and you can just tell how like kind of rattling it is for them when their offense isn't clicking. And they got so used to yes. it last year. Um, and when it's not working, they don't seem to have a ton of resilience right now, which yep. is concerning.
1: Very, uh, very Packers esque in that mm-hmm. way. Uh, I, I'm looking at that chargers Falcons game that we, we teased in the open. I, I just, I don't understand how the Falcons are three point dogs here at home. No, I, I get that. There's a big gap. In quarterback play. I don't think there's a huge gap in coaching. If anything, I, I think the Falcons are the much better coach team. Um, mm-hmm. And we should say, you know, that this line all the way back in, in May opened at six and a half. It was up at seven and a half uh, around week one, week two. So it has come down from there. But, uh, you know, the, the thing with the Chargers is like they had their bye week. They're coming off the bye. That's, that's always the narrative. It's like, well, Chargers are coming off the bye. They needed their bye week worse than just about any team in the league. But are they getting anybody back? Like they're going to come out of their bye week just as injured if not more injured than they were beforehand. Like I don't think Keenan Allen is playing in this game. Mike Williams yep. already ruled out, uh, you know, Rashawn Slater. He's not coming back. Uh, you, you, Jerry Tillery, even on defense was added to the injury report. JC Jackson, Joey Bosa. These guys are all nursing long-term injuries. I, I think there's this belief that like you hit the buy and all of a sudden all your injured players just come back. Like that's not the case for the chargers here.
2: Only the Chargers could find a way to get more injured during the buy. And, and that, that's, that is like literally what happened with Keenan right. Allen. He said like, you know, I, I tried to do some training during the buy and uh, it got worse. So, I mean, we, we are looking at a situation, you know, it's not like Josh Palmer even is 100% healthy at this point, you know, going through the concussion protocol. So, you know, all of a sudden, a Chargers team that we could all point to coming into the season and and say, we love what they have start starting. There is no depth in this offense though, and now oh. now that's gonna you know come out to bear here that this weekend when you have DeAndre Carter and Josh Palmer and God knows who else, uh, you know, going out there and we've seen the Chargers turn it to Herbert, you know, upwards of 50 times in a game. It's like 50 targets getting distributed to that group. Yeah. I mean, that could get, I mean, if that happens, that's terrible. So they absolutely need to get Eckler going in this one to, to kind of like keep things on track. Maybe Eckler, you know, gets really involved in the passing game and, and that kind of smooths things over. But yeah, as it, as it stands, um, I just, I really like the Falcons this week as, as home underdogs. And it, you know, kind of like what we were saying about to a, on a bigger number with, with the Bengals, I don't trust the chargers with, with a field goal or more uh, on the road. I I just, I simply do not. And I'm not going to this week. Give me the Falcons.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I'm looking at the advanced numbers on the Falcons defense and um, it's not good.
2: It's not good. We'll, we'll say that.
1: So I I understand the, the argument against the Atlanta Falcons here. They, They are a bad defense, but like you said, I don't think the chargers have the healthy weapons right now, to take advantage of it. I think it reminds me of them going into that Jags game. I think that was week three, week four, Herbert's banged up. Keenan Allen's banged up. And you're thinking like, well, it's the Jags. They're going to find a way to get this done. And the chargers don't look like the chargers when they don't have all their guys, believe it or not.
2: They they don't. So what we're going to, we're going to, you know, I don't know if we're going to see a full redux of that game, but I mean, I, I, I do feel like the, the, the Falcons have a chance to, to not only win this one outright, but kind of like send the, the Chargers into a bit of an identity crisis. I completely agree. I, I completely
1: agree. I, I think the Chargers are still one of those teams that if they could just do enough to, to kind of hang around, they're, they're going to get healthy at the right time and they're still going to be really dangerous whenever they're fully healthy. But again, when they don't have those guys, it's just not the same team. Um, what other lines are, are looking a little too high for you?
2: Um. So looking around... Uh, obviously, the highest lines uh, always will, will stand out, and I, I think that uh, the Chiefs one. I think this is just an interesting, me- like, meeting of two, fo- like, very well-established forces a- at this point. Where you know you have the Chiefs, you have Andy Reid coming off the bye, famous for for his team's performances coming off the the bye week, and you have a Titans team that has won five straight, is getting no respect. Probably rightfully so to an extent, because it, it, is it just a function of them taking advantage of, of an extremely soft window in their schedule where that, you know, I don't even know what you would say is their quote unquote best win in that stretch. You know, a couple of them against Indianapolis, you have the commanders in there, I mean, uh, Texans. So nothing to, to really write home about in a Raiders team that that laid one of the biggest eggs I've ever seen uh, last weekend. Um, so. Yeah, when it when it comes to this Titans team, obviously they don't have the talent and the firepower to, to match um, Kansas City. And if it's no Ryan Tannehill out there, then this could really uh, become problematic. I, I think the line would shift if Tannehill is out just because of how Malik Willis looked last week. But um, as it stands, if Tannehill's back, I think the Titans just ugly this one up enough to where they they can keep this in that respectable zone yeah. where they lose by like 10.
1: Yeah, to me, I don't, I don't know that there's going to be a huge difference between hobbled Tannehill and healthy Malik Willis in this game. I mean, obviously, they they really, really limited Willis last week against Houston and were able to get away with it really without any issue. You can't necessarily expect that against the Chiefs, but you know, I, I think the the game plan if you're the char- if you're the Titans is just control the ball as much as you can, keep it away from the Chiefs as much as you can. Like that's it's probably another big time Derrick Henry raid game. Um, and, and you're just hoping to you know, draw out these nine, 10, 11 play drives, even if they're ending in field goals, you're okay with just not letting the Kansas city offense on the field. So I, I could see this playing out in some ways, uh, like green Bay Buffalo last week, where it's, it's a convincing win for the chiefs, but ultimately that number proves to just be a little bit too high. And you know, we should note, I mean, the Titans held the chiefs to three points midway through last season. That's, that's kind of when the, the chiefs offense was hitting rock bottom. And we, we were asking if Patrick Mahomes was good anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it turns out that he was still, in fact, good. He did not just magically uh, forget how to play football midseason. But, um, you know, Andy Reid, always great off the bye. But Mike Vrabel's kind of low-key had his number about as much as anybody has these last few years. Um, I'm looking at that Ravens game, John. Uh, we got the Ravens at the Saints on Monday Night Football. Ravens are two-and-a-half-point favorites. I, I'm I'm pretty yiked up to see what, what Roquan Smith looks like on this defense. I think he's going to be... An instant impact guy. I, I feel like you could put him on any team with no preparation, and he's just going to add value just just by being the the tackler that he is. But we got really bad news on Rashad Bateman today. Uh, you know, we, we knew he wasn't going to play in this game, but he's out for the year. Uh, you know, Gus Edwards is banged up. J.K. Dobbins is still on IR. Mark Andrews uh, did not practice on Thursday. Uh, doesn't really mean all that much because of the the extra day with Monday Night Football. But I, I'm not sure I, I'm ready to to trust this. Baltimore offense especially if Mark Andrews ends up not playing in this game and if that happens we'll, we'll see this line move a little bit but um, I'm just having a hard time getting a handle on this one you know you mentioned the the Raiders completely laying an egg against New Orleans last week I'm trying to decide how much of that was New Orleans versus how much of that was the Raiders just being a bad team
2: right so that that's tricky and you know anytime that we discuss the Ravens this year unfortunately you know injuries is is gonna kind of have to be at the, at the forefront of the discussion and you look at you know, just the sheer lack of what even if they were at full strength coming into the or coming into this game, even if they had Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman, you still wouldn't say that that's like a particularly loaded group of skill guys. And, and you know, when you take Bateman off the table for sure and you have Andrews who I could see I have a sink, the sneaking suspicion with the buy on the other side of this game, they hold him out. I think that they must have been encouraged enough by what Isaiah likely was able to do against the Buccaneers to where it's like, okay, he's just going to kind of be our move tight end all game. We'll have Josh Oliver be be the blocking specialist, and, and that'll kind of be that. Um, we're going to see Deshaun Jackson make his Ravens debut this week. So low-key kind of excited about that. I think Devin DuVernay is turning into, you know, at the very least a legitimate NFL receiver, which is um, a rare sentence to say for anyone that was drafted to play receiver by the Baltimore Ravens. They, they, they really uh, are not good at that. But I, I think the Ravens, mm-hmm. Their second half, and you could also argue that this was, you know, more on the Bucks than, than the Ravens. But the Ravens finding their their way in the second half, running for two hundred yards on, on the Bucks defense, and also having likely break out with with Andrews on the sidelines. I mean, I that might be the kind of turning point of the of the Ravens season. And I thought, despite the Bucks making that game close at the end. I, I felt like the defense for, for the most part played well and it didn't feel like they were totally melting down, even if the, you know, the, the kind of late run that the bucks had, uh, might, might tell a slightly different story. So this is a low, low yeah. spread. And I definitely understand your, your concerns, but I think that the Ravens are about to make a bit of a run here, but I, I think that this Monday night game is their toughest test for at least a little while, maybe up until uh, yeah. December. And I, I was just mentioning the bucks earlier. Um, that's a, that's a, one other spread that I thought was a little bit too high. I think that really, basically, yeah. I mean, it's it's three points right against the Rams. I did looking at uh RotoWire, we have this awesome against the spread standings page. You know who two of the worst teams in football are against the spread this year? The Bucks and the Rams. And the uh, Rams, two, huh? yeah, two and the Rams are two and, and
1: five ATS.
2: Mm-hmm. So they yeah. they have they've had the the added benefit of of the buy in there so that that's you know one less game that they could have blown the cover on but the bucks uh, they've they've been really good to bet against uh, over the course of the season both these teams have mm-hmm. so I, I just feel like at, at this stage um i, I would have felt like this was more of like a two two and a half uh type of spread so sure. it's not like egregiously high by any no. means of course you know it's three points but um at, at the same time <sighs> I kind of have some trouble like just laying points with with either side on this one. So I I would have liked to see that be a little bit lower.
1: Yeah. I mean, it it says a lot, I think uh, about the Rams more than anything, that this line opened at one and a half and still sat at one and a half, you know, as recently as, as eight days ago. Um, But I I think we're, we're maybe not factoring in here is the possibility that Cooper cup is not available for this game. And, you know, he was, he was at practice on Thursday. Uh, it sounds like he was very, very limited. I, I think this could end up being a true game time call. It would not surprise me if there's some uh, gamesmanship afoot here by the Rams, uh, making it seem like he has a better chance to play than he does. Um, I, mean, I mean, the Bucs have been off. I mean, it feels like they shouldn't be favored against anybody. So I, I get your, your hesitancy uh, seeing that number, but I, I, I feel like I'm walking right into a trap, but I, I kind of like the Bucs here. Like I, I, think, I think the Rams are somehow maybe more of a dumpster fire than the Bucs are right now and losing Shaq Barrett last week, that's going to be huge for the Tampa defense. But I think if, if Cooper cup, even if he's limited, I mean, what does that leave the Rams offense at this point?
2: No, absolutely nothing. Uh, and they, they yeah. decided that they hate cam Akers, Cool. Yeah. Uh, but they don't trade them at the same time. Uh, so yeah, but I mean, this is a, this game is a, is a real Spider-Man meme, but like the, the Spider-Man in, in both these cases are dumpster fires.
1: Well, it, it feels like we keep getting these Spider-Man meme games every week. Like Raiders-Jags, that to me is a big Spider-Man <laughs> meme game. Uh, last week, Broncos-Jags, also a Spider-Man mm-hmm. meme game. Like there's so many there's so many teams that are in like a hopeless tailspin that there's like a 20% <laughs> chance that you're also going to play another team that's in a tailspin uh, any given week. But yeah, the, the terminology I've been I've been using for this Bucks-Rams game is uh, like stoppable force meets movable object. You know, I, I, just, I feel equally bad about these teams. Like if there's like a three team round Robin of like the bucks, the Rams and the Packers, I, I have no idea who would, who would emerge from that. I feel like they would all end up in ties.
2: They're, they're having the great NFL mid off. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. And and you mentioned it, by the way, the Rams, uh, not only are they two and five ATS, uh, they are the worst team as far as their plus minus against the spread this season as well. They, they are not, they are failing to cover by, uh, on average, 9.3 points per week. So, I mean, it's, it's bad. It's, it's really bad to, for, for context, Buffalo leads the league. They're plus 8.4. So like the Rams are worse against the spread than the bills are better than the spread. If if that makes any sense. Um, let's go to the other side here. Uh, some lines that are too low. I, I always feel like this is the harder one. Um, you know, to, to say, I, I feel like this team should be favored by more with how much parity there is around the league, uh, this year, but I'll go through one of mine real quickly, John, I love the new England Patriots. This week, Uh, I understand that this team has had some major letdowns. You think about that bears game, especially, I I did not think they played particularly well last week against the jets. Uh, It really felt like uh, they were kind of going with the Malik Willis game plan with Mac Jones. Um, And it worked out, you know, I think they, they knew their opponent well. Uh, And I think they're in actually a very similar spot this week against a team that to me is like a diminished version of the jets in the Colts. Um, You know, I, I think Bill Belichick loves nothing more then going up against a young inexperienced quarterback uh yeah you know, I, I think he's going to be schemed up really well for sam ellinger uh, I, I thought ellinger it looked okay you know obviously losing to the commanders at home you're, you're not going to get a ton of praise but i didn't think he was that much of a disaster doesn't look like jonathan taylor is trending in the right direction toward playing in this game obviously they traded away naheem hines as well i really really love new england minus five and a half
2: yeah new england like they're just going to put our guy sam into a pretzel uh, on Sunday mentally, maybe even physically, who knows? I yeah, mean, it, it's, 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 it's not going to go well. Uh, this, this has a smell similar to that Patriots lions game from earlier this year, the, the famous 29 to nothing, uh, just shut out. Um, I think that we could see something similar and, you know, for, for as well as Ellinger did as a passer last week, at least efficiency speak el- efficiency wise, it's not the way that Indianapolis should be using him. Like we we've talked about it. We, you know, we've done the college football podcast. We are very, very familiar with the, the stylings of one Sam Ellinger. Oh yeah. Let the man run the ball, especially if Jonathan Taylor is dinged up the way that he is and, and likely not playing. It seems like at this point, let, just kind of get Ellinger going on, on the ground a little bit, let him use his athleticism. He's kind of a yep. bull. I mean, he's a, he's a strong lad. Let him, let him push the pile a little bit, guys. I mean, Agreed. I I just don't think that the more times that you ask him to drop back, uh, the likelihood of your your, your winning uh, goes up.
1: Yeah, that was the thing I was most disappointed about. Is I kind of thought, and you know, it's tough to change your entire offense over the course of a week, but I, I thought we would see a lot more RPO. I thought we would we, you'd see ways trying to unlock Jonathan Taylor, and in a lot of ways, it just kind of felt like the same offense. But you're subbing in Ellinger for Matt Ryan. I know he, I think he ended up running the ball six times for like 15 yards, you know, nothing major there. I want to see more designed runs for Sam Ellinger. I want to see more RPO, Uh, maybe even throw in some option. I I don't even care. I mean, just do, do something different Uh, because to me, that felt like the point uh, of of getting away from Matt Ryan and specifically not going to Nick Foles. You know, you have Mm -hmm. another proven option on that roster, but I think the reason you go to Ellinger is you want to really shake up the offense and particularly get that ground game going. And look, if, if you're not able to do that, against the commanders. I, I don't feel great about your chances to do that on the road against the new England Patriots. I, I'm also looking at this dolphins bears game and the line sitting at dolphins minus four on the road. We, we saw this dolphins offense after a few weeks of kind of, you know, lackadaisical play. You got different, you got three different quarterbacks rotating in, you know, kind of chaotic. We, we saw that offense, you know, look more like the the, the passing game that we saw earlier in the season to be four points, I know you're on the road. You're outside. It's it's a little bit different playing at Chicago. It's going to be windy this weekend, uh, but still, I I think this could easily be five six points uh, in favor of Miami. Um, what what say you on that?
2: Well, it's interesting that that you circled this game because uh, when I looked, I believe it even earlier uh, in the day before we we sat down to record that it was Dolphins minus five actually. So the fact that it's it's down to four. I, w- I just kind of wonder what what's going on there. What's kind of fueling the movement there? Maybe some public money coming in on the Bears after they look you know like some semblance of an NFL football team over the over these last couple of weeks. But yeah, I I think that the Dolphins, if the Dolphins play their game, they're winning this one going away. It's I guess that therein lies the question. You know, yeah. just playing at Soldier Field, things can get a little murky, a little bit ugly. But even still, I I, I like. I kind of agree with you where, or I don't kind of agree with you. I I do agree with you where uh, this line feels a bit low, and I feel like the Dolphins could win this one rather comfortably. And for me, the the ones that stood out as too small, um, I feel like the Packers are going to crush the Lions. Um, I I think that, uh, you know, you you view the Packers in a slightly different way than I do, do. of course, but I, I somehow came away from Sunday night's game I wouldn't say encouraged or saying that they're about to make a run of any sort, but I felt like there were some, there were some moments in there where it's like, okay, like there's Aaron Jones, there's Aaron Rodgers dropping back, biding time, buying time and, and making throws down the field. And obviously it's not an ideal group of guys that he's playing with, but Dobbs, I thought for the most part played well. And, you know, Samari Torre, Maybe he's a guy, you know. Who, who knows? But um, uh, and Tunyon's been looking better. I think he he looks comfortable coming off the knee. Yeah, and and I just think that the Lions are primed to get smoked. Kind of, I, I feel like that this is going to be kind of a, a another like rude awakening for this Lions team. That I think both both you and I really you know we're kind of pseudo pulling for coming into this season. I mean, Dan Campbell's so fun, but. uh, it, This is just not working uh, in Detroit, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And I think the Packers are are going to to win there uh, comfortably. And then uh, my other one, big spread, but I think the Bills just paced the Jets this week. I think so. Whereas they weren't able to cover against the Packers last week, I felt like I I was leery of, of them covering that number just because the Aaron Rodgers factor can, like, somehow, if he taps into it, keep that game relatively close. Uh, the Jets don't have that. They, they have quite the opposite, in fact, yep. in, in Zach Wilson. And, you know, for for the goodwill that the Jets were able to build late September, early October, I think it's melting away pretty quickly in light of the Brees Hall injury. And I think that the Bills just kind of with, with it being a division game too, kind of really stick mm-hmm. it to them.
1: I think the worst thing for the Jets was the Bills having that second half that they did against Green Bay. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm on the same track as you. I, I didn't want to put it in my lines that are too low section because the Bills are 11 and a half point favorites and they are on the road. Uh, albeit a short road trip on a, a situation where they should be very comfortable. But yeah, I'm with you. I, I think they, you know, they, they win last week by 10, but I don't think the Bills felt good about that. I think the Packers came away from that game feeling better about themselves mm-hmm. than the Bills did. And the Bills to me seem like the type of team that wants to avenge that a week later. So yeah, I, I, I look at this as kind of a wrath game uh, for the Buffalo bills. And unfortunately it's the jets, uh, on whom that, that wrath is going to be taken out. So I like that call a lot. I, I definitely took the bills to cover this game in staff picks. I mean, if there's ever going to be a game this year, that's like, I, I think it was, a wasn't there like a Patriots Titans game like 10 years ago, that was like 53 to three or 58 to three or something. I like, think that
2: happened in the snow too. Like it is like, what, it what is yeah, happening? In the, if there was, oh. if there was
1: ever going to be one of those games this year, this would be the one.
2: Yeah, I think so too. So it, it, mm-hmm. it's it got that, that similar vibe. I, it, I wonder if Buffalo could, I don't know if they have a throwback that's quite as good as the Patriots with the red. I think that they were wearing mm-hmm. a, on that day. Uh, the Patriots reds very good. That's the only nice thing I ever say about them, but uh, regardless, mm-hmm. really good spot for the bills. All
1: right. Before, before I do the read, I lost my best bet yet again, as we've been over uh, you won yours. Uh, so you're in very good shape here. Uh, I, you know, you, you brought up Packers lions and we talked about bears, Vikings as well. Part of the reason that I really like our bears, uh, dolphins, excuse me. Part of the reason that I really like the dolphins over the bears. And part of the reason I assume that you like the Packers uh, on the road at Detroit is, you know, both Detroit and the bears are, are, we're sellers at the trade deadline. And I I think it's tough to quantify, you know, what that really means uh, like for a team psychologically, but I think the bears, especially like, losing Roquan Smith on that defense could be disastrous. Like, I, I think over the course of the rest of the season, you know, maybe you find ways to compensate, but going from having that guy to just abruptly not having him, I, I think he's going to be really tough to replace. And, you know, with Detroit, you know, losing TJ Hawkinson, not quite as dramatic, of course, but this is already an offense that, you know, might have a, a limited DeAndre Swift, if he's available at all. Um, you know, the receiving core has been perpetually banged up since week two or week three. Um, you know, to me, I I think teams like that, that are shedding real assets that have helped them win games this year, uh, just kind of pushes me against them at at least for this one week after the deadline.
2: No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I I think, like you said, that, uh, the bears in their, uh, you know, fire sale on the defensive side of the ball is particularly Mm -hmm. concerning for this week because the defense with Roquan Smith, let the Cowboys almost drop a 50 burger on him. No Roquan Smith against the fastest receivers in the league. You know, we, we you might need to dip into some like Notre Dame tactics. Dr- grow the grass a little <laughs> bit higher at Soldier Field. Slow the boys <laughs> yeah, down.
1: Just, yeah, there's like pine cones all over the field. Uh, yeah, I, we've if seen, that's legal, we, absolutely.
2: You remember the um the the lining of the field going into week one, uh for for that Bears game where it was you know it had like the the freshwater hurricane. Oh, yeah. And the, the sideline was an absolute joke. I mean, that, that right. field is always just perpetually in rough shape. So if it, maybe yeah. that's the biggest factor in that game for just slowing down the, the Dolphins. Yeah,
1: I assume there's just like a concrete slab directly under that field. Uh, I don't even think the Bears made an effort to clean it off. I think they knew that was an advantage for them in week one.
2: They, they 100% did. It's like, okay, boys, we, this is our chance. And mm. and you know what? Frankly, it was.
1: All right. It's time. Let's knock this thing out. <clears throat> Kick off week nine of the NFL season with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using promo code BETROTO. That's B E T R O T O, BETROTO. And your first wager is risk free up to $1,000. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia. Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 years or older to wager, 19 or older in Ontario. This is a new customer offer only. All promotions are subject to qualification as well as eligibility requirements. Rewards are issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. And as always, this includes the MDPs, the Michigan Disassociated Persons, Please, please, we're begging you, gamble responsibly. Do you have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, one 800 4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, one 800 270 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Iowa, 1 800 981 0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877 8 HOPE NY, or you could text HOPE NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 800 889 9789 in Tennessee, or call 1 888 777 9696 in the state of Mississippi. In Ontario, listen up, Canadians. If you have any questions or concerns about your gambling or the gambling of someone else close to you, please contact connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. I believe this is more of a counselor than like a betting advisor. So keep that in mind. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, as well as other States where it's prohibited, obviously promotional offers not available in nevada and new york oh, i need to win my best bet man I, my vocal <laughs> cords i can't keep doing this
2: yeah i mean you're you're like uh you know rocky in in the first <laughs> yeah, yeah, and i'm 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 here i'm your trainer you're, you're spitting into a bucket I'm um the Popeyes but beam, like the worker yeah. <laughs> but oh, yeah Ontario. but <laughs> frankly yeah. um if, if I'm someone that is just listening to this podcast for the first time and I don't have the BetMGM app in my phone, my iPhone storage is, is totally full, I'm erasing pictures of key moments in my life. Yep. I'm erasing important banking apps off my phone mm-hmm. to download the BetMGM app thanks to you. Thank you. Yes, I, I've been doing the same. I actually have a separate phone just for the BetMGM app
1: that I carry around with me. 100% dedicated to the bet MGM app. I don't want any distractions. I don't want any of these riffraff apps like Twitter, Instagram, you know, texting things of that nature. It's just no. BetMGM. MGM. Uh, and by the way, you can also bet over at betmgm.com. Uh, and if you use our code bet as you just heard B E T R O T O, that first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. All right, let's get back into week nine of the NFL season. John, um, so any games that we have not hit yet, I feel like we covered a lot of ground here. Uh, I've I've been intentionally like dancing around Raiders, Jags. Uh, I, I don't know if you read my uh, beating the book column over at RotoWire this week. I just declined to do a write up for that one. Uh, just just put in. I just put in a little editor's note. Like, sorry, I, I just can't do it. These are the two teams that I hate the most this season. Um, I. I <laughs> The Raiders are one and a half point favorites on the road. I, sure, I guess. Um, I, I'm just. This is just a uh, throwing up my hands one for me. I just. I don't know. I don't feel like I know anything about these two teams.
2: They don't know anything about the uh, themselves yeah. or each other. I mean, this is a absolute, tra- like tragedy, travesty, and tragedy of of a football game. And so, I I guess I'm just going to take the team that is getting points, but I'm not going to to. to I would drive myself insane if I tried to like truly, you know, bre- break down the the X's and O's and the and the Y's uh, of one side of this is is clearly the better than the other because whatever numbers are out there, they're just going to go out the window the second that that the ball gets kicked off on Sunday. All all that we mm-hmm. know is there's going to be some gross football being played at TAA Stadium.
1: Yeah, there's going to be hijinks. There's going to be shenanigans. Uh, I'd I have to look if a game has ever ended in a zero-zero tie. I I feel like that's on the table for sure oh, this Fran- week. You just
2: Frank Beamer's uh, ears are are buzzing. Uh, yeah, right. We, the- <laughs> <laughs> we almost uh, had that in, Mi- in Miami versus Virginia last week. It was yeah. three to three at overtime or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised, man. I, I, it feels like the Raiders were just in a bad
1: spot last week. We find out afterwards that, like, you know, they had the flu going through their locker room. Like Devontae Adams still dealing with an illness this week. I I know the Raiders did opt to stay out on the East Coast rather than travel back, uh, and then you know head of course back to Jacksonville. So maybe that provides some sort of boost. I, I, I'm at the point where I'm, I'm going to end up taking the Raiders in this game. I'm going to feel terrible about it, but I. I've also reached the point of just not trusting the Jaguars and I'm, I'm very familiar with this point. It comes at a different time every season. Sometimes, you know, it's the AFC championship game. Other times it's week one. And I think I officially am drawing that line of demarcation. Um, You know, the London game is, is kind of a nice barometer for the Jags. If they lose the London game to the Denver Broncos, that's when, you know, things are completely off the rails. So I, I, I do think talent wise, the Raiders are the better team. I'll, I'll take Devontae Adams uh, against that Jaguar secondary every day of the week. But then again, you know, last week, it, Saints are banged up all over the place, and Devontae Adams has one catch for three yards. So, like, seeing that performance by the Raiders, like, they're not doing that two weeks in a row, but we now know that they have that in their back pocket whenever they want to pull it out.
2: The the Devontae Adams flu game. Uh, the. <laughs> Not uh, not quite as good as a Jordan flu game, uh, to, <laughs> yeah. to, to to say the least. Um, let's see another game that that I wanted to to touch on. Um, I would say, well, we can go one of two ways. I, I think the the highlight again of, of the late Sunday window, the Seahawks cards, and then also the Kirk Cousins revenge game mm-hmm. in Washington. Is Washington going to be fired up now that Dan Snyder is potentially on the outs?
1: That's a good point. We, we have not really factored in. And I, I don't know if this line, which, you know, right now we're seeing Vikings minus three. I don't know if that's factoring in the potential disgraced owner ousting bounce that you often it, see from teams. It's going to get the
2: fans a little bit more excited. We're going to be rabid. Like, but seriously, um, this is, you know, I grew up in the D.C. area. Most of my friends growing up, Washington football team fans, commanders fans, what have you. They're the only group of people that I've ever met in my entire life that you know when they tell you that they're a fan of of that team, complaining about the ownership is within the first three sentences of them talking about it and and just it, everyone else like will complain about their quarterback or their defense or something mm-hmm. but nope it's it's Snyder every single time and it's been like that over the course of decades now uh, so we might see some semblance of like a lively crowd. Uh, over at fedex field uh on on sunday and you know the the vikings are this weird team great record we've talked about them where they have this great record but no one is really taking them seriously as as a legit you know super bowl contender or even like you know nfc contender where you know the nfc is kind of up for grabs outside of philadelphia um i feel like washington I kind of like them to cover in, in this spot. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm putting a little bit too much faith in, in one Taylor Heineke, but I, I just, I'm not quite there yet with, with, with the Vikings. I think they need to to show me an impressive win before I start to believe. I'm not sure this is a spot where if they win, it, it's necessarily impressive, but like I, I'm not counting out Washington here.
1: No, there, there's some sort of chaos factor with Washington uh, that is really tough to quantify. I, I like this team more with Heineke than Wentz. Like yes. There's just, there's just kind of an inherent, uh, I guess, positive chaos factor with Heineke and like, you know, that throw to McLaurin at the end of last week's game. Like, I, I just don't trust Carson Wentz to make that throw and make that decision to throw it up into traffic like that and just trust McLaurin to come down with it. Um, They're, they're definitely frisky at this point. I mean, this is a 500 team right now. They, yeah. they, they don't seem like it. I mean, they've, the wins are are certainly not all that impressive that's for sure, but they're in the mix for a wild card right now. And I think there's considerable pushback uh, on the Minnesota Vikings right now who are, you know, they're, they're a one loss team. And I have not heard a single person like make an argument for why they actually love this Minnesota team. Like everything you hear about with Minnesota is the numbers indicate that this is an average football team that is, you know, getting lucky in a lot of ways, week to week, you know, going five of five scoring touchdowns in the red zone, things like that. You know, field position has been huge for the Vikings this year. They lead the league in, in, average uh, position of of starting drives, so little things like that mm-hmm. that are just not really uh, bankable week to week. At the same time, it's the Commanders, right? Like, do we are, do we really think the Commanders are are suddenly a different team after beating like the the horrific Packers and the Sam Ellinger Colts in back to back weeks, plus you know a win over the Bears and the Jags? Like, I their resume too, it's it's pretty easy to poke holes in.
2: No, it it absolutely is. But you know, bottom line, the Vikings are an average team with an above average record. Washington being at home. They have Taylor Heineke, who, who uh, you know, Mario and I have, have talked about him at length before on, on the NFL Pod, and basically Taylor Heineke reminds me of like someone that uh, Johnny Knoxville brought on for for Jackass Four. It's like, hey, this is Taylor he- this is Taylor Heineke, and this is this is trying I to get a first down, just. <laughs> 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 So the guy's just a wild card. I I really like the moxie this league is, is lacking some moxie at quarterback, but he certainly is not one of them.
1: No, uh, no, he is not. I love having characters like that in the league, Like coming into the season, it felt like there were too many good quarterbacks. And it turns out a lot of the guys that we thought were still good might not be anymore, but the league is way more fun when like 10 teams have just a complete wild card at quarterback.
2: Yeah, right. I mean, and, and speaking of, Geno Smith got the boys buzzing right now. They, they dispatched the, the, at the time, one loss New York football Giants. Now they go down to Arizona, face a team that they smoked up in Seattle just a few weeks ago. And that one's interesting to me because as much as we've banged on the Cardinals this year, they have looked a little bit better the last couple of weeks, I'd say overall, obviously they, they lost last week, but that, you know, they had the good Thursday night win against the saints and that loss against Seattle. If you remember last game that, that, uh, Hopkins was suspended for, and it was the game where Marquise Brown got hurt. So a couple things working against them, obviously it doesn't excuse them not scoring a touchdown on offense that game, but I think that they show up a little bit more and the, the total is roughly the same as it was in that Seattle game. I think we get a lot closer to it this time.
1: Are you maybe leaving some breadcrumbs that you might like the the Cardinals to cover this two point spread at home?
2: You know what I am. I'm leaving some bird seed out there, and and you know what I I, I think.
1: You know who likes birdseed?
2: There, there's a way. There's a way that the Cardinals get get this done as as awesome as uh, the Seahawks have been, and you know we, we've talked about the teams that are awful against the spread. Seattle has been pretty good, five and three against the spread. Not not overly surprising. Uh, when when we look at it now, it's surprising, you know, if going into the season to, to say that they'd be that good against the number this year. But they're tough. Uh, the 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 Cardinals, we know that they have the explosive weapons, and I, I think that maybe there's just a little bit too much inexperience in, in the Seattle secondary. Maybe uh, Arizona is able to find a way. And I, I think uh, two of the three home games that Kyler has had against the Seahawks, the the Cards have covered the spread. I think the only other one was was that like wild Sunday night game that had like the the mm-hmm. famous DK Metcalf chase down.
1: Yeah, that train you hear in the background is the Geno Smith Express uh, <laughs> pulling through Arizona. Um, I this game is is really tough for me. I, I like going through and, and kind of making my leans just with straight up picks this week. It's like I, I once again feel like I like too many road teams, so it, it leads me to question a game like this of like you know could Arizona trip trip up Seattle? I, I'm with you. I like the total in this game more than I do picking one of the sides. Like I I think we go over 49 and a half. I think we get a complete flip flop from what we saw in that first game, which like you said, also carried a really high total complete letdown. Had some weird turnovers. Like both defenses. I felt like actually played really well in that game. Had some big time stops. Seattle's defense, especially which by the way, over the last three weeks, Seattle is the second best defense in the league uh, in terms of EPA. So like that, that defense is coming around. I I still don't fully trust it. And I I think the Cardinals have a, a little more oomph, if you will. Uh, with DeAndre Hopkins, than they did even with Hollywood Brown, who was playing really well uh, before he went out. So I, I think we get a close game. This, this to me is a, a big time stay away. Um, but you know, Cardinals at home, not the greatest home field advantage. Maybe, arguably, not a home field advantage at all, given how that's gone for the last calendar year. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, it, it's better than playing this game at Seattle. So I, I just, I, long winded way of saying, I, I don't really have a, a great lean on this one. Um, one last I, thing I to, have to a, touch oh, on no, there. Go ahead.
2: Uh, I know what. It- we we've gone over Coach of the Year many times this okay. year, but but quickly, Pete Carroll right now. What do you think? I mean, is, is he's in the top five. He's plus twelve hundred, so twelve to one over bet MGM. Eh?
1: I think that narrative is going to get stronger and stronger. The the problem is coach of the year is right now very closely tethered to what happens with the Eagles. If the Eagles go uh obviously if they go 17 and zero, Sirian is winning it. If they go 16 and one, he wins it. If they go 15 and two, he probably wins it. You know, so like, I I do think that kind of skews the market because when you have those outlier seasons where you're, you know, if you're losing two or fewer games, you almost automatically get coach of the year that that's kind of how it works. And like Brian Dable still lingering there uh, at 325 over at BetMGM. MGM. I actually don't like that bet. I, I think the giants are going to fade and still be a team that exceeds expectations overall, but I think they needed to maintain like this, you know, crazy pace for, for Dable to beat out someone like Sirianni, but yeah. you know, narrative wise, I love it for Pete Carroll because coming into the year, I think a lot of people, like maybe if you don't like Russell Wilson, that's fine. But most people were siding with Russell Wilson on the football side of this, right? I mean, the conversation was, could this be Pete Carroll's last year in Seattle? Is, is this it, you know, Seattle, if they win four games this year, do they just move on and clean house? And it kind of turns out he was right all along about a lot of things. And Seattle's going to end up being a a much better team than Denver when all is said and done. They're going to have a good chance to get a wild card spot, I think, in the NFC. Uh, So narrative wise, I I think he's going to have the best narrative. To me, it's just a question of how many games do the Eagles lose and, and does that open the door for someone else to sneak into the race? But I would say right now is the time to bet Pete Carroll because I think that number is going to keep getting lower.
2: Yeah, absolutely. If they continue to stack wins and, it, and it continue to push to that five hundred mark or, or above, uh, then yeah, I mean he's going to be that that next obvious choice. And it, yeah. I, I think you you laid it out really well with Sirianni. Like it feels like fourteen and three is kind of the inflection point where the discussion is opened uh, to anyone other than Sirianni winning this. So yeah, I mean with Carroll. I thought he was cooked coming into this year. I thought that you know the the Seahawks basically did well for themselves to just kind of jumpstart their rebuild. And you know, as luck would have it, basically, yes, they're going to have two first round picks. But you would not have thought that the pick that's more valuable for them this year is going to be the one that they're getting from the Broncos and the one that they yeah. have themselves. Insane.
1: That well, that's the thing. I mean, everyone talks about the the trade and you know the monster package that Denver sent to Seattle, but. You know, we're not talking about the positioning of those picks. Like in the NFL, it's not as big of a deal. Like in the NBA, we're, we're always talking about like, oh, well, how high is the pick that the Lakers are, are handing to the the Pelicans this year? Like that could end up being what what like the fourth overall pick, <laughs> depending on how things go for Denver. I mean, it's it, it's insane uh, how that trade has is it's kind of reversed itself already, and it's just going to keep paying dividends in the future for Seattle. Uh, I, I got a parlay of the week. And I got a little teaser that I want to throw oh, out uh, before we is. move on to survivor and our locks uh, parlay of the week. Let me know what you think you could parlay just, just money lines here, not even spread. So Pat's to beat the Colts bucks to beat the Rams and the Falcons as underdogs to beat the chargers. Those three happen. You parlay it. You're looking at around plus four fifty at BetMGM.
2: MGM. I almost feel the worst about the, the Bucks leg of that <laughs> so one. <too>. Same here. <laughs> so that's, uh, wild to me, but I I, I can definitely uh, see that coming through for you. And I, I definitely, you know, the Patriots love them this week. Um, Falcons absolutely have the way. And, and, you know, they're definitely helping the, the juice, the payout uh, if this one does end up hitting. So no, I like where your head's at.
1: All right. And then the teaser, we're, we're talking a six point teaser here. You know, usually the, the the primary options you'll find at most books, six, six and a half, seven. Uh, so we're teasing six points here. Uh, we're taking the Pats. And we're teasing them down to plus 0.5. so the Pats just need to win this game against the Colts. We're teasing the Chiefs down to six and a half, so they just need to win by a touchdown. And we're teasing the Bills down to five and a half, so they they need to win by you know six points or a touchdown without the extra point. That to me eliminates some of the risk with these big numbers that we're seeing with with Chiefs, t- uh, Titans, and uh, you know the Bills game as well. Another huge number against the Jets. Uh, and I just I'm really confident in the Pats, no matter what. I just wanted to involve them. In this um, so, so what do you think about that that gets you to about plus 160 uh, if all of those hit where does that fail
2: you got you got your gambling pants on this week my friend this is I do this is great stuff um, so I I have no pushback on, on any of that I mean I, I yeah. really feel great about the the pats like we've said and and you know getting those uh, bigger numbers down to one score brilliant yeah I just I don't see any of those teams losing
1: I mean to me I think the Pats are the biggest liability there. Uh, I, 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 mean, maybe with, with how the Titans have found ways to, to make things tough on the chiefs, you could see that being a much closer game, but like, I just, I, I don't see the bills winning by less than six points and the chiefs, no. you know, probably pretty easily win by a touchdown. Maybe it's not a blowout. Um, and in general, I just, I just like the pats. So, all right. Glad you're on board. Uh, glad you don't have any, uh, you know, major pushbacks on any of those. And look, if you want to throw in some teasers, you want to throw in some parlays, go over to the bet MGM app, use that bet Roto promo code let's go to survivor. Uh, you know, as, as we've been saying every week, it it gets tougher and tougher to, to kind of hand out actionable advice, not knowing, you know, who everyone has remaining, but, uh, what are the teams you you're either like, or maybe staying away from in terms of the higher percentages?
2: So I would fade not that the, not that, not that they're getting a huge number, but over, over at uh, redacted site, um, Vikings have like a, a close to equal number to the Bills as far as their survivor entries for, for this week. So that, that to me, um, that trip's a red flag. Not on the Vikings. Do not trust them. Do not trust them on the road. Do not trust them on the road against Washington. And then the Bengals um, for, for reasons that we mm-hmm. uh, certainly uh, poured over early on in the show. So I like uh either either the Patriots or the Packers would would be my my calls for survivor this week. I, I just think that the two teams that the, that they are facing respectively are better mm-hmm. than dead. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Patriots would be my pick. Uh I'd be fine with the Dolphins if you
1: still have the Dolphins. Uh you know, a lot of people maybe are are forced into using the Vikings this week just based on who's all available. You know, if you've used KC, if you use Buffalo, uh, it's understandable. I, I'm with you, though. I wouldn't feel great about it. That's for sure. Um, and I, I'm fading the Bengals, too, man. Uh, we're, we're on the same page. I I do think they win that game, but I would not be putting my survivor life on it. That's for sure. Uh, unless I absolutely have to. But, you know, big number for the Bengals. I, I think the general expectation is they do bounce back. But I, I just I, I'm stuck in the middle with them. Like, how much do you value how bad last week was? Like that was that was almost a, an inexcusable no
2: show, I thought. Just preposterous. Yes. I mean, just, you know, the, I think it's, it's easy on a human level to just kind of like internalize a, a, uh, a nationally televised standalone game a little bit, you know, more than, than, you know, the, the full onslaught of games during, during a Sunday afternoon. But I mean, that, that just kind of got to show us the sum and total of what's wrong with the Bengals all in a, a three and a half hour window.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. It's time for uh, what's been a very fruitful, segment of the podcast for you not so much for me let's hand out some locks for week nine
2: uh you go ahead all right let's hit them uh so lately i feel like my key to success has been finding a slight road favorite and the titans have done me well there a couple of times uh this week i'm going to to follow along that similar line not with the titans because that line is large patrick mahomes scares me to no end so i'm going to leave that alone Give me the Green Bay Packers. Give me the Green Bay Packers. The Lions are toast. They're cooked. This is going to be bad. I will take the pack. It scares me how
1: into the Packers you are. This this is not uh, this is not comforting. It should be comforting, but um, you know, you've you've been you've been hitting these locks. So uh, maybe, maybe I should be putting more credence into this. I'm I'm staying away from the Packers. I'm not doing it. I, I tried to lock up against the Packers last week. I, did, I think I just need to avoid anything Packers and Jags related. Uh, at least for a few weeks here, kind of go on a cleanse. I'm taking the Pats. I, I feel like I've talked about this game over and over. I've, I've laid it all out. I, I think Bill Belichick against Sam Ellinger, to me, that's what it comes down to. Love the Green Bay Packers, minus five and a half. New England right. Patriots. What, what did
2: I say? Uh, you Freudian slipped the Packers. Oh my goodness.
1: Oh. <laughs> this is what you've done to me. <laughs> I love the New England Patriots. Excuse me. At five and a half at home against the Colts. My goodness. I I'm just, this is, this is what happens when we start talking Packers. Like my brain just cannot handle it at this point. So good catch. Somehow
2: Packers pilled you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I I somehow got tripped into just locking up the Packers minus five and a half, I guess. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, one more time Patriots minus five and a half. You're going Packers minus three and a half. We will return to those bets uh, this time next week, but we thank everyone uh, who's following along live. Everyone who listens, uh, either on Spotify, on the podcast app, wherever you get your podcast, we
2: have loved doing this pod all season. Uh, it's the highlight of my week, that's for sure. John, I, I love it. You know, this is this is a great way to to like end the Thursday, segue into into the weekend. Yep. And I mean, it just yeah, does doesn't get better than talking talking bet and talking pig with my guy Nick. So yeah. good stuff. Talking man. talking some pig. Nothing
1: better than that. Uh, as always, make sure you're using that promo code BetRoto, B E T R O T O